Hey, Graham. Hello, David. I got a joke for you. All right, let's hear it. Okay, this is how it goes. Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? I don't know. It was too tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. It was too tired. Right, yeah. Too Too tired. tired. Yeah. Yeah, it was too tired. Six. Oh, I'll take it. Let's give it a six. I don't know. I just give a round of applause for myself because it, it was you, that was pretty good. Solid, solid. Right? You got one, um, David. Do you know the difference between a good joke and a bad joke? <laughs> Timing. <laughs> uh, Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's good. That's good. Um, seven. I'll give you a seven. I think that's. I think good. we're getting better. Did did you? Where'd you get that one? Joke vault. Okay, the joke yeah. vault. It All was right, in the yeah. back. It had some cobwebs on it. Yeah, you had you hadn't dusted that one off for a while. Yeah. Well, you know what? Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical, interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes, and featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show, and it's your weekly adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And on this week's episode, we have a very special guest who goes by the name of... Christine Cohen. You know, as I said that, it made me realize she does go by that name. Yes. It's the name that's on the cover of her books. Uh-huh. And presumably the name given to her. I was going to say, do you think it's the name she goes by or the name that she was given? I, and what information could I base this on? None, but I mean, we could start a rumor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What do you think her real name is? Josephine Josephine. I was going to say uh, Gertrude Spreckenfloss. Gertrude Spreckenfloss? Uh-huh. Well, I've always liked when people have two first names. So then I was like, why don't we just give her two first names? Okay. Josephine, Josephine. Uh, Jojo. You know, like some people are names like James Taylor or Bob Dylan. People that these kids don't know <laughs> about that, that are listening, but their parents do. So why, but why not, you know, like why did Bob Dylan make his name Bob Dylan when he could have just made it Bob, 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 Bob. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. Bob, Bob seems more uh, memorable. True. Everyone would be like, oh yeah, I know Bob, Bob. I know Bob, Bob. Yeah. Bob, Bob. How can you forget it? Hey, Bob, Bob. I you left your guitar over here. <laughs> <laughs> thought you were talking to me for a second. Well, we're here to... Wait, to... does that mean that's your real name? Well, mm-hmm. you just seemed to be... You looked at me like when you said, hey, Bob, Bob. You kind of looked at me and it made me confused for a second. Yeah, I think I discovered your real name. Okay, go ahead. What were oh, you boy. saying? Speaking of rumors. So we're going to talk to Christine Cohen in a little bit. She has a new book coming out called The Sinking City. It's coming out in November. Yeah, soon. Right, exactly. Very, and very soon. Very, very soon. There's a, she just uh, posted the cover of it on her Instagram page. Yeah, so we'll I know. Talk about and that I've, I've I've taken that cover and I've made a, a costume of it for Halloween. I'm going like, as the sinking city for Halloween. Like you're gonna like is it a white T-shirt with like the cover of the book? No, or? It's, a, it's just a big. You, book you're costume. going as a sinking city. Oh, that's better. So are you like some tilting buildings with like water? At the, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, a lot of water. It's going to be very wet, wet, uh, sold night. Well, I hope it doesn't galoshes. rain and. Although if it rained, I guess it would work out great. Yeah, it would work to the theme. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we're going to talk to Christine Cohen in a little bit. We're also going to talk about Charlotte's Web. Mm -hmm. Chapters? Uh, Oh, no. Seven seven and eight. Seven and eight. That's right. 
I had to do a little math. Right. Because seven comes after six. Six. And we did right. six. Right. So we're going to do seven and eight. Of course, we're going to do snack time. Snack time. And we're going to do riddle time at the end. But first, we need to talk about our friends over at... Do you, do you remember who our sponsors are? The Green Right Hair. Oh, are we doing it fancy now? The Green Right Hair. Yeah. Okay. So the Green Right Hair is from who? Which author? Samuel... Uh, wait, I... I Denison <laughs> Smitherton. <laughs> the Green Writer is an accessible online writing course that encourages and equips aspiring authors of all ages to go and grow from Samuel Denison Smitherton. Was that what it was? Yes. Okay. Green Writers are, what's the first verb? Uh, going. That's right. They have a green light. Why does, why, what's green light got to do with going? It's just, a, you know, a law of the universe. Oh, right. Okay. If you see anything green, you can run right past it or into it. Oh, all right. Good to know. So they aren't waiting for permission or until the fear is gone or the muse strikes. So green writers go. Green writers are also glowing. No, no, that's right. Yeah, like, like glow in the dark sticks. Yeah, right. It's close, but swap out the L for an R. Growing. That's right. Growing. It does make a little more sense because. Yeah, both are fine. Okay, so either way. But I would like case, to learn how to grow or glow. Well, in this case, it, it says growing, so I okay, think... Okay, we'll, we'll stick to the okay, script. So we're going to stick to the script. Let's ask them maybe about how to teach people to glow, though. Mm-hmm. Like that might that, be, That'd be the next course. Right, level two, yeah. So, like a green living thing, they are growing. They're alive. They're not yet what they will become. They're becoming writers who create and share generous, excellent work. So, if you, say, for example, you, Graham, want yeah. to go and grow as a writer... And glow. You can join... Yeah, and glow, right. You can join... Beloved, although we should probably say maybe they can't guarantee glowage. Okay. But they, they, they can stand by growing and going, but I'm not sure they can stand by glowing. We haven't talked to them about it. Right. So yep. Uh, yep. rumors again, rumors. Mm-hmm. So join beloved best-selling author S.D. Smith. So Samuel Dennison Smitherton and become a green writer. You can try free sample sessions today at greenwriter, greenwriter.sdsmith.com. Dot. Right, exactly. Greenwriter, greenwriter.sdsmith.com slash dot. Slash dot. <laughs> well, it actually says slash at the end okay. of the link. I, I, there's probably, because there's probably going to be like another sub page or something. I see. Yeah, yeah. So, Rowan, your kid. Yes. He, is he still, has he been doing Samuel Dennison Smitherton's Yes. Yeah, program? we love it. Has he learned to glow yet? Yeah, well, he, he, he had some incandescence kind of before. <laughs> hey, good word. Yeah, bioluminescence, you know, he had... Another the, good word, you're on a roll. He had that kind of going before, but now it's just amplified. Hmm. Yeah. He does, that's true. That also might be, be because we're doing the course on like one of those 1950s TVs <laughs> <laughs> with the old tube in it. That's given off a lot of radiation. So Rowan's been picking up some things from watching that. Yeah, we've yeah. just got a lot of like radiation. But what about the growing out? and going part? Has he been picking that up? Yeah, I, I oh, think so. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So again, that's greenwriter.sdsmith. Dot com. That's Samuel Dennison Smitherton. All right. Hey, you know what? This brings us to uh, our, our familiar segment. Is we, it the best segment? It, I don't know. Is it? For me. Is that because you get to partake in snack, snacker, Snackertons? Snackertons. <laughs> yes. Let's bring on the Samuel Snackertons. D. Snackertons. Okay. So we have, let's start with, we're drinking what we're drinking tonight. Yeah. It's a little chilly. Not not cold per se, but chilly. So, so we have a uh, warm glass of... Let's see. Wait, hold on. Let's see if the listeners can guess. Okay. I didn't hear any right if answers. If you guessed glowing blood, you were wrong. 
glowing blood. Yeah, it's not going. No, we're not doing that. We're not just, uh, radioactive hey, listen, vampires. It, just, <laughs> <laughs> it came into my head. Don't know why. We're um, actually drinking hot chocolate. Yeah, which is just as good. Some would say better. <laughs> Some would say it's better than glowing than glowing blood. Yeah. So we have our, our glowing blood here. We also have <laughs> a... No, just kidding. Hot chocolate. We have our little, a little container here of... Let's see if they can figure it out by the noise. What? Rattlesnakes? A container of rattlesnakes? We are eating rattlesnakes, yes. Mm. Well, I'm just going to pull one out here. I, I, I don't approve of this so far. So these are gourmet jelly beans, 18 natural flavors with colors from fruit and vegetable sources. Oh, no artificial colors here. I, I didn't say that. I just read what was on the cover. Um, I can't. Vegetable sourced. I'm sure there's plenty of color. artificial things in here. <laughs> okay, so what we're about to play. Yeah, everything else in these is terrible for you. But vegetable source color, at least. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. Exactly. At so, least that's fine. Okay, we're going to play a game. Okay. So here are the flavors. Grape, coconut, lemon, raspberry, strawberry, smoothie, blackberry, mango, tangerine. Did I say strawberry? No, I didn't. Pomegranate, lemon and lime, <laughs> apple, banana split, blueberry, passion fruit, licorice, cherry, and pink grapefruit. Oh. Okay. So you're going to hand me one. I'm going to hand you one. And my eyes are closed. And I'm not 100% sure which one it is, but we're going to find out if it's terrible. My hand is still here. Oh, I feel something. Okay. Does it feel like popcorn? I can't feel the color. Hmm. Okay, so... <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> it's, he's glowing. I can't remember all the flavors you listed. I don't know why. I, I still had my eyes closed. I just opened them up now. Um, I could have opened them as soon as I put it in my mouth. Well, you know, you got to like focus in on the, on the flavors. True. Um, I'm going to say that was like a fruit punch. So based on the color, which was vaguely orange and looking at the box here, I'm pretty sure it was either mango or passion fruit. Let's go with passion fruit. I think that was closer. All right. Now you, you got to give me one now. We're going to see if I can figure it out. Ooh, I like that one. Oh, wow. What right. a color that is. All right. It's probably going to be that. At least this one doesn't have those ones that like taste like terrible things. Oh yeah. Like the Harry Potter slop, one. Yeah. Slop and boogers and stuff. <laughs> Although there's a lot of children listening. You probably don't mind the booger one. Yeah. I think... I've seen kids eat boogers. Oh, well. Hmm. Oh, Oh, I should look at the box. I should determine which one I just gave you. Well, this is hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, ma'am. Read the, t- read the flavors again. No, there's <laughs> so many of them. Um, what do you think? Raspberry? Something berry-ish? No. Is it, am I way off? Um, not, not particularly. Pomegranate? It, nope. Ah. It, it was apple. What? But... It was like green apple, so kind of tart. Okay. You know? So the, the berry makes <sighs> sense because it's got a little... Now. No. Can we just stop the, can we stop the show? I think you were close with the berry. Okay. Because well. berries can be a little tart. Green apples can be a little yeah. tart. True. And, All right. Well, you know, maybe their their vegetable coloring threw it off a bit too. With yeah, you know. that's true. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm getting carrot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. But we also have a box that we need to open here. This is a box that was sent to us from a listener. This is and so exciting. There's a, okay, so I'm opening the cardboard box, and all I've seen so far is there's a card in it. Okay. So it says, on the card it says, to David and Graham. That's better than, like, to S.D. Smith, and it, we got it We got the accident one. It would be a shame because, well, we're about to, we're, it's not going to be around here. Okay, let's hear. So it says, 
enjoy some snacks the next time you're recording, Haley. So I think this is coming from our friend Haley Croft mm-hmm. and her family who listens to the podcast. Okay. So shout out to the, to all of you. Thank you so much. And are we ready to open the box? Well, first off, we have here? to say now now that we've discovered this is a possibility. Yeah, that's true. Everybody, um, you, we are you know we welcome boxes full of snacks. This is true. So, and you know I've got to say. The box is a better shipping strategy for food than pigeon. Yeah. Agreed. For snacks. Well, I mean, what we know about per- pigeons is they're probably going to eat the, the snacks yeah. before they arrive. So Right. All right. A- and we need them quickly. True. We need True. them quickly. All right. So Are we ready to open? Uh-huh. Okay. So we have... Oh, man. We've got... Looks like there's two of each thing. This is perfect. They so thought they ahead. Have... So we have... Muddy Bites... Muddy Bites Milk Chocolate Waffle Cone Snacks. The best bite over and over again. Should we, just, should we open them right away and just see how they are? Okay. This is a long No free advertising time. here for Muddy Bites, except it is free. Yeah. All the free. Oh, my goodness. It's the bottom part of an ice cream cone that has, With like, chocolate. Just a little bit. Oh, man. All right. Are you ready? Cheers. Mmm. Mm-hmm. This is delightful. Mm. Okay, I have a question for you. Should we save these for our kids? <laughs> mm. No. Well, I don't. We'll see how we see what see how this episode goes with a whole package of money bites because we got another. There's something else in here too. Wow, that was awesome. We have. Hey, it's Trader Joe's night. We have Trader Joe's old world recipe. Ginger snaps. Yeah, cookie, cookie thin ginger snaps. Cookie thins? Yeah, cookie thins. Cookie thins. Oh, they probably can't call them ginger snaps. Don't let the thinness of these thinner than thin cookies fool you. Their ginger goodness is more than meets the eye. That's what the box says. I didn't just make that up as I was going along there. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Haley, thank you. This was very thoughtful and delicious. And mm. um, it's going to make recording a little bit harder. Yep. Because we're going to have to talk between bites. Yep. I think we're going to need a minute. I'm not opposed to this, though. Should we take a little a little break to partake? To and digest. Then, and then come back with some book talk? Let's do it. All right. We'll be back in a minute. Those money bites are delicious. And we are back. We've, we've eaten some cookies. We've been drinking our hot chocolate. And we are here now to discuss chapters 7 and 8 of Charlotte's Web. Remind me what these chapters are called, Graham. Uh, they are called Bad News. Ooh, that sounds unfortunate. And then uh, chapter eight, which is very small, yeah. is called A Talk at Home. That's true. These are not very long chapters. No. But there's still, there's lots that happens. Yeah. And in, the, in, the, in chapter seven, Wilbur is informed by kind of a mean barn animal that he is being fattened up for... For Christmas dinner. Yeah, and, and not like to attend Christmas dinner. This is a great point. To be this is served. A, this is a good distinction. On the table. At, at Christmas dinner. At Christmas. Yeah. Oh, poor Wilbur. He's very sad at this news. Yeah, there's, yeah. Um, uh, there's a very funny illustration of him crying. Maybe it's not funny, but at the same time it is funny. Because to see a pig with huge tears sulking around and then the sheep is kind of like yelling at him. I don't want to die. He moaned. 
I want to stay alive right here with my comfortable manure pile with all my friends. I want to breathe beautiful air and lie in the beautiful sun. Mm. You're certainly making a beautiful noise, snapped the old sheep. I don't want to die, screamed Wilbur. This so is really we, good. What's well, really good? So here, so here we are in a children's book being told that our main character is going to get, 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 get dead and eaten. He's going to get dead. He's going to get dead and eaten. Yeah. What do you think about this? Do, you know, a lot, some children's books shy away from sad stuff altogether, or mm-hmm. certainly, you know, I might put our main character in danger. But this is a little bit different because we have a main character who is not just having their safety threatened, but like going to be actually eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of an unusual thing to do. Um, but everyone is so matter of fact about it. You know, even the sheep are so matter of fact about it. Yeah, everybody and, but Wilbur. Right. And then, of course... And, and Charlotte. Yeah, she jumps right. in and says, I shall save your life. Yeah, so it's... Um, well, she probably didn't say it with such a... We have probably a smaller voice. I shall save your life. And kind of calm... That was good. You should do the radio drama. One-man <laughs> radio drama. <laughs> I, I run out of voices. Also, one thing I've discovered in reading to my kids is I quickly forget what voice I did the last time I was that character. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because... Like, as a parent, when I'm reading books ahead of time or even to the kids, and I come across themes that I would consider kind of heavy, like death, this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I kind of think, oh, man, I wonder if they're ready for this type of thing. And then, But then trying to remember back to being a kid, I think most of the time you are ready. Like, this kind of real world issues and problems and realities, mm. uh, and they're... They're put into these stories, usually by somebody with a very careful hand. Mm-hmm. Like the writers of these books are very careful about how they go around it yeah. without running away from the realities of these things. They're kind of helping you guide, guide you through it. And so you, as a reader, are kind of reacting, at least I am, more like Wilbur. Yeah. What? Right? No, no. Yeah. I want to live. I don't want to die. And you're, you're seeing all the... Uh, animals around kind of being like get over yourself you know and you're you're kind this of like, is your well, lot in life pig yeah and so it's interesting like as we go forward i don't i don't know if this will be a i assume his impending doom is a big theme for the next however long in this book but yeah, i don't know setting if us it'll, up for what's going to come is foreshadowing yeah the sort but of i don't like know drama. if it'll feel as like dreadful i don't know i don't know um do you have well, any thoughts about... He, about he does like, do a good job making it still kind of... You said he has a light touch, and there is still a sense of humor about it, right? Because you can imagine this pig running around the barn, squealing, mm-hmm. saying, I don't want to die! I don't want to die! And then a, a spider of all characters <laughs> yeah. saying, don't worry, I'll save your life, you know? Yeah. And, see, I forgot the voice already. And, uh, <laughs> and then the other animals just sort of being like, it's what you... It's what, it's what you it's, you're a pig. It's what's going to happen. Yeah. So it's setting us up for what the rest of the story is going to be about, but it's also showing us the relationship that Charlotte and Wilbur are going to yes. have. Because it's deepening that, because it's showing that she cares about him and she wants to take care of him. She's becoming, you know, Wilbur never really had a mother in this book, right? And so she's kind of becoming a maternal figure, even mm-hmm. though it's kind of unusual to think of a spider, you know, <laughs> taking care of a uh, a little pig. Yeah. And, and I mean, what do stories need? They need uh, a 
a character, a person, a place, and a problem. Mm-hmm. And for that problem to seem real or be relevant, sometimes there's got to be some darkness or some true, some prob- actual like issue for other characters to figure out how to help and to show their character. Or, I mean, you can't have kind of light in a stark in a story without a lot of shadow. That's true. And you said person, place, and problem. Mm-hmm. We certainly have an interesting person. Wilbur is a very, like, com- we've already talked about oh, yeah. how he's a very interesting character. He's got a personality, even as an animal. Yeah. Charlotte has personality, too. The place itself is full of personality made up of all these characters. And it's even yeah. like, we even are told that the, the it's a little bit run down and things like that. And then now we have our problem. Big so one. we've been introduced to our person, our place, and our problem. And I thought the first time, I thought the main problem um, initially was Fern being separated mm. from Wilbur. But now we come to find out, no, you know, he was, he's going to be okay. He's got his manure. He's going to figure it out. Oh, now he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> There's hey, a real problem. But speaking of Fern... Chapter yeah. eight then is about Fern. Good night. That and was a fun chapter. W- so why do you say that? I, I mean, I, it's not that I don't think it's fun. He's done this, why do you say remember that? Remember he did this before where it's like you think you're reading one book, but actually, no, the animals can talk to each other and think oh, yeah. and all this stuff. And now, like, she's been at the farm and, you know. Over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And now she's at home uh, talking to her parents about all the things the animals are saying to each other and, you know. But then, like, as you're reading, you're like, oh, wait, no, this is what they were actually saying to each other. Yeah. Like, she can hear them or understand them, or can she? Hmm. There's even, in chapter eight, there's even that bit where it just says that um, Fern, grew, uh, they're going to what? Screamed Wilbur. And then it says Fern grew rigid on her stool. Yeah, see, and I thought that it might just be because the pig was squealing. Right. Right, squealy noise. But then it turns out the pig, or she can actually understand stuff. Yeah, but she's not talking to them. Right, that's true. Do you think they can hear her? Have we gotten yeah. clear on that? Okay, they can't. Yeah, okay. Well, I think. Yeah. So in chapter eight, she's telling her parents about how one of the eggs didn't hatch and the goose yeah. told Templeton she didn't want it anymore, so he took it away. And the mother says, it says, the goose did what? Said Mrs. Arable, gazing at her daughter with a queer, worried look. What was that voice? The goose did what? The goose did what? The goose what? did what? 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 <laughs> What? Hey, did the stop goose making fun of me. Do? He did what? <laughs> Told Templeton she didn't want the egg anymore, repeated Fern. <laughs> Who is Templeton? Asked Mrs. Arable. He's a rat. None of them like him much. <laughs> I just love how matter of fact she is about it. Yeah. And then she just kind of goes on and then she goes about her business for the day. And then what does the mother say at the end of the chapter? Uh, let me try to remember. Maybe she can hear, maybe her ears are sharper than ours. Is that right? Something like that? No. Oh. That's, no? well, no, that's what Mr. Arable says. Oh, what is it? Remember, Mrs. Saying? Arable says, Oh, let's yeah. take her to the doctor. Yeah. Take her to the doctor. She, she thinks she's hearing the animals talk. Yeah. And then he, yeah, Mr. Arable says, well, maybe our ears aren't as sharp as Fern's. Mm. <clears throat> he says, don't worry about Fern. Let me, hold on, let me do a voice. Don't worry about Fern. She's just got a lively imagination. Kids think they hear all sorts of things. <laughs> I love how dismissive that is, but it's kind of true, too. <laughs> Kids imagine all sorts of things. The goose did what? The goose did what? <laughs> you, besides make fun of me, would you like to do say anything else about this chapter? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think these are two very short chapters, and they're kind of like, I mean, they're super important 
to to whatever's coming next. But yeah, so it's setting up our problem. So we now are a person, our place, and our problem, as you pointed out. Yeah. And then here in this chapter, we're being reminded of Fern's relationship with Wilbur. Yeah. And how everyone else kind of thinks she's a little weird because she has a True. kinship with these animals. Yeah. So that's like, now all of our stuff is kind of like, everything's kind of, the stage has been set, I believe would be the better way of saying I like that. like that. For the rest of the book. And I didn't even actually remember that Fern could understand them. Yeah, I didn't remember that from my last time either, which maybe just means that we have very bad, maybe, maybe all this uh, snack time is causing our memory to erode. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, before we go in, into our conversation with Christine Cohen, should we eat one more jelly bean and see what, what flavors we get? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, wait, the same thing? The blind taste yep. test? Yep. Okay. okay, there you go. Do you know what it is? Are you, are you going to find out? Do you need to look at it closely? Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. I got okay. It. okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, you gave me an easy one. That would be a black licorice. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think this might be the same thing. Let me try it. Oh, yeah. Mm, you don't like black licorice, do you? Oh, I do. Oh, you do? Okay. I don't like the Twizzler black licorice, but I like other kinds. And yeah, because it's... Um, it looks similar to whatever that blackberry or grape one is. Yeah, because these yeah. are uh, vegetable flavor uh, <laughs> colors. Um, you tasted broccoli. They don't show... The, the, the jelly bean itself isn't black. It's more like a plum color. Mm, true. Plum. No, I want plums. All right, you know what? On to our conversation with Christine Cohen. It's time to introduce you to Christine Cohen. She's our guest this week on the show, and we chatted with her a couple weeks ago about her new books and asked her a bunch of questions that you kids have sent in. But Graham, before we get it over to her, can you hmm? introduce our audience to who Christine Cohen sure. is? Sure, yeah. Uh, Christine Cohen, also might be named Josephine Josephine, we don't know, <laughs> was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. Never heard of that country, but apparently that's where she's from. That's a weird name for a country. She spent most of her formative years roaming evergreen forests with her sister and a stalwart yellow lab, feeding her love of adventure a steady... Stalwart's a good word. (laughs) Yes, it is. Feeding her love of adventure a steady diet of stick forts and slingshots. I mean... She was eating slingshots? Yeah. Well, no, she was feeding them to her love of adventure. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. so her this, love of adventure was eating slingshots. Yes. Okay. This um, this childhood sounds marvelous. Um, now she lives with her husband and three kids in a delightfully rural college town. When she's not writing, she pursues other creative outlets like baking sweet things and eating more than her share. Sounds like snack time on this podcast. I think we would be friends, right? I think so. Okay. And you know, I kind of felt like we would be friends even just having a, on the conversation we had yeah. with her. Okay. By the end of it, I felt like we were we were friendly. We we're friendly. Friendly, yeah. We'll have her back on, and, we'll, and then we'll we'll, we'll determine. We'll, yeah, yeah. If she if she writes back to us and says, "No, I don't think I want to be friends with you guys," then that's a sure enough sign that she's not going to be friends with Probably us. Probably so. so yeah. yeah, but if it depends also how she signs it, like cordially, that's you true. don't want that, if she, <laughs> right? You want right. you know respectfully, and uh, well, how do you want them to sign it if, to prove that they're friends with you? Um. With the greatest affection. Oh, okay. With greatest affection, Christine Cohen. The Sinking City is her second novel, and also my Halloween costume somehow. True, true. Her first... It's going to be great if it rains. Her first, The Winter King, was a finalist in the 2020 Christie Awards for Young Adults. Mm. Good for her. So, in the conversation that we just had, we talked about how she's got this new book coming out. We talked about 
The Winter King, which, by the way, is a great book. And we taught, we asked, of course, all the questions that you that you all asked in, such as Cheetos or Doritos and so forth. So, without further, wait, what's the word? Adieu. Without further, no, I don't. Adieu. Adieu. Without further, adieu. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's adieu. Without uh, further adieu. Uh, what's adieu? Isn't that the thing you dip a sandwich into? Yes, a French dip. Yeah, I don't think we're talking about that, are we? I want further uh, jus right now, but right. well, this while is going on. While, while we're listening to the conversation with Christine Cohen, let's go eat some au jus. So here it is. Here's our chat with Christine Cohen. All right. Well, Christine Cohen, thank you so much for joining us here in Withywindle. We're super excited to chat about books with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So we have a very important first question. I don't know if you've ever okay. been asked this question on a podcast before. This came from one of the kids. We asked the, the hard-hitting questions first on this podcast just to, just to get them out of the way um are you a cheetos or a doritos person Ooh, that is a hard one because i actually love both cheetos and doritos um i'm gonna go with cheetos i can eat more of them in one sitting so okay. cheetos Okay, are you are we talking the big puffy ones or like the no. really small? Nope. Yeah, the old school ones, like the original Cheetos. I don't like the puffs. Do you I like, like the, the texture ones? of the old one. No, I don't. Just the original. The puffs do something weird to my teeth. Yeah, yeah I think they're designed that uh, way. Yeah, I don't know. So, are you a, a coffee or a tea person? Coffee in the morning, tea in the evening. Okay. I guess I'm not really, I need to come down harder on things here. Cause I like both. <laughs> Maker cookies. Oh, definitely cookies. Okay. What's your favorite kind of cookie? Just the plain chocolate chip, right. but I like, I, I like homemade ones. I don't like store-bought. Hmm. So. so how often do you make homemade chocolate chip cookies then? You know, I have three kids, so I make them a lot actually. Yeah. 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 Pretty often. It's good yeah. to have them in stock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. And then last a truly hard hitting question is then okay. overall, are you more of a savory person or a sweet person? Ooh, probably sweet. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, the kids, the kids want to know, they want to know. What I appreciate that. Yeah. They want to get to I mean, I like the stuff that like rots your teeth, you know, <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's, I go for. It's the good stuff. Yeah. When we're recording these podcasts, we generally have like a snack period and it's lots of teeth rotting stuff that i'm sure yeah. the parents are annoyed at us for encouraging <laughs> yeah i mean you gotta it. die of something yeah. maybe you'll die of your teeth <laughs> true. Out. happiness okay. i think what you're talking about is dying of happiness is, is happiness yeah. yeah that too well we have a bunch of questions um from from the listeners and we are gonna have to talk about the book that's coming up but yeah. what we need to ask first is for those kids and families who have not yet read The Winter King, can you kind of give us, you know, the elevator pitch, whatever, the, a quick summary, however you want to describe it, for what that book is about? Yeah. So The Winter King is set in a uh, early medieval sort of Nordic inspired, uh, like Viking-esque village, super remote, um, hemmed in on three sides by uh, the fjords and a mountain on the fourth side. And every year this village is, um, there's four months out of the year where a god takes human form, sits in his temple at the edge of the village and judges the people, curses them with winter. So every year they have that to look forward to. And the, the story is about uh, a girl named Cora, who is uh, 16. She and her 
uh, mom and her siblings live kind of like outcasts on the edge of um, the outskirts of the village. And uh, after their savings are wiped out, Cora has to take on work at the house of the high priest. And while she's there, she starts to uncover some secrets about the village that could change her and her family's fortunes uh, if she can survive to tell them. So, so what was the, where did this story come from? Like, when did you, how did you decide you were like, I have to turn this into a novel and spend hours and hours painstakingly turning this into a book? <laughs> you sound like you've written a book. You get the whole, like, that's the feeling. How, how many hours do I want to devote to this? Um, I, <laughs> Uh, so originally what happened, um, this was not my first book. This is the, I had written two books before this that I threw out because, um, I needed to write them for practice, but I knew they were not going to be sellable. They just were like my first attempts. Um, so I was, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Had to get my reps in. So I, I did those. I, um, and, and then when I was thinking about what I wanted to write next, I had a couple different, um, inspiration moments. One was I had just reread my favorite book till we have faces by CS Lewis. And, uh, I was thinking to myself, I want to give people the same experience reading a book that I had reading this one. Mm. Um, I love the feeling of that book, the myth retelling, the sort of, uh, pre-Christian, uh, world that mm. that feels like it's it's slowly getting infused with the gospel, but it hasn't quite gotten there yet. That like old gods versus new religion feel. Um, so I knew I knew I wanted to have that be like the feeling of the book. Um, so then I started thinking through myths. What what would make a good retelling? Uh, and I landed on well. Then what happened was I heard the phrase "winter is coming," and I thought that's cool for how ominous it is. And it would be even cooler if winter was a person. And so then I started thinking about like myths that are um, related to the weather. And that landed me on Hades and Persephone, which, uh, you know, of course, is the story of a girl who's stolen uh, and her mother happens to be the goddess of the seasons. And so in her sorrow and anger, she curses the ground with winter until she gets her daughter back. So uh, that that was where that inspiration came from. Um, and then I, and then I just sort of, I wanted to set it somewhere different. I didn't want to do a Greek um, myth and I've always loved Vikings. So there we have it. <laughs> so Christine, um, I'm not entirely sure where you live or where you're from. I'm assuming it's not like Miami beach. It seems like you're pretty familiar uh, <laughs> with cold, with, with, cold. with the cold <laughs> and well, Viking, Viking ships. Yeah. I am. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm up in the pan handle of Idaho. Um, we actually have fairly temperate seasons. We have all four seasons. It gets cold, but it is not like the Dakotas cold. So I don't, um, even though I'm describing some extreme temperatures, I, I had to do some more extra research. Like I remember, and this is like one of those weird moments where I was talking to a friend who grew up, um, oh, I think in I think in North Dakota, and she was saying, she was talking about how when it gets a certain number of degrees below zero, like negative 10, negative 20, the, the, the sound of the snow changes. So it, it's, it gets that like squeaky texture to it. You know, that's like, it's so dry. There's just nothing happening. And I was like, I need to add that into my story because I haven't really ever experienced that. We don't really get negative 10 in, in Idaho. So Northern Idaho where I'm from. Um, but yeah. And my heritage is, um, 
is Scandinavian. So to me, it's, it's all like, it was very familiar setting. Yeah. Well, it shows in your descriptions for sure. And David and I, we both lived in the Midwest. David actually lived in Idaho for a while. That's true. I was born in Alberta. So it's okay, like, yeah. We, we both lived in Iowa, and then I lived in Wisconsin. You lived in Wisconsin, so we get the cold thing. I lived in Montana for a bit. Yeah. So like, yeah, the different aspects of the winter. I yeah. think it's like five degrees makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, and I did try. I was doing a rewrite at one point during uh, in like January, and so I did at one point go outside barefoot and in like. And just like stood in a snowdrift for a while, just to just so I could understand like what would this feel like, yeah. and what are the what are the sensations? What where do you go numb first? How long does it take for you to start being like I can't like it hurts to breathe? You know those those types of things. Yeah. Mm. Uh, fun novel research, you know. And then and then she she no longer has feet now. Yeah, <laughs> and all for the sake of the craft. Yeah, exactly. I, just so I, kids I can have a good novel. Well, uh, <laughs> speaking of re- speaking yeah. of rewrites, uh, that that leads right into a question. Uh, that Michael has, he's wondering how different the first draft is from the final manuscript. Oh yeah. Um, I wish I still had the first draft. No, I kind of don't kind (laughs) of do kind of don't. Um, I would like to see how far it's come. I wrote the first draft in a month and I wrote it for, um, so NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month, which takes place in November, I think, every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I Back in like 2015, I think, I thought um, I was just coming up with this story. And so I thought, well, I'll try to crank it out in a month for NaNoWriMo. Um, the best part about that is that I had no idea... I knew roughly the ending, but I didn't know how it was all going to come together. So like when you get to the last bit of the story, I think I just had like some parentheses where I said, and this really cool thing saves them all, you know, the (laughs) end. Um, And so it's, it was very rough. It was very short. I think it was probably 40,000 words. Um, And the final, uh, final one is probably closer to 60. So I had to go back and it was like the skeleton of the story. And I had to go back and rework. Um, But really uh, the, the structure of the story didn't change a whole lot. I I had to go back and change the characters felt very much like cardboard cutouts in the first draft, which Mm. they usually do for me. Um, And so I have to go and flesh them out and make them give them life and, and that sort of thing. Um, But, but not a, no huge changes happened, which was nice. Took you 20,000 words to describe that thing that saved them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So one of the questions we got from the kids is, is there going to be a sequel? And I know you've got a new book coming out. So this might be a good time to talk about that. Is this new book a sequel? If not, are you eventually going to write a sequel? Or are you are you just you good with those characters? Am I journey? good with that? You know, I um I get asked a lot about a sequel. I don't have currently. I don't. I'm not writing a sequel. I would not ever discount it because um, I love that world and I love the characters in it. But I do feel like I told Cora's story. Uh, I, I feel satisfied with where I left off um, mm. with her. So I think if I were to write a sequel, it would probably be from a different character's point of view. Um, yeah. So this next one is not a sequel. Do you want me to talk about the next one now? Or yeah. Tell us about now? it. Let's go. Yeah. Kid, okay. I mean, that's coming out in November. Yes. Yeah. It should be uh, coming out right around Thanksgiving. Um, it is called the sinking a city. Story. A pilgrim story. Yes. <laughs> No, it's not. It actually, this one is completely different. So this one takes place in Venice and it's the story of, um, it it takes place in, in 17th century, 
Venice with magic. So it's, it's what's called an alternate historical fantasy. Um, and it's the story of, uh, the daughter of one of the patricians. So like the nobleman of, of the city who, uh, she, for reasons that would be spoilery runs away from home and, um, disguises herself as a boy and becomes the apprentice, the assistant to the most notorious magician in Venice. Uh, and has to survive in that new world while also helping them figure out how to stop the monsters that are underneath Venice from pulling it under. So, wow, totally different. <laughs> that can, sounds awesome. Can you tell us the title? Yeah, it's called The Sinking City. Ooh. Ooh. So, and it has an amazing cover, which I cannot show yet, but marketing says next month when we do the pre-order campaign, it'll... I'll get to do the reveal for that. So, so awesome. probably around the time, maybe around the time this episode airs, yeah, drops yeah. in October. Cool. Is that a releasing, okay. is the cover releasing in October? Yeah, the cover will be releasing in October. I'm not sure when, um, but you can either look on Canon Press uh, on their website for the pre-order information, or um, I have a website, christinedcohen.com, and uh, you can look on there for pre-order information as well. Or so. maybe we'll just have to be smart and plan the release of this episode around the release of the pre-order information. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> um so were you able to go to Venice to do research uh, for this book? <laughs> or any other you know, sinking cities. Or Yeah, I know. I wish. I actually tried. So my husband is an accountant. And, um, and so I was like, hey, babe, we should go to Venice. We can write it off. And he was like, do you know what write it off means? I was like, yeah. <laughs> it means you don't have to pay for the trip. And then, you know, and then he explained to me what that actually means. And so, no, we did not go to Venice. Um, but I, I've been to other parts of Italy. I, uh, what I ended up doing a lot of was reading. Um, I read a lot of history books. I read some uh, books from that time period, 17th century, um, or just like documents. Um, I also used Google, like the Google maps, you know, the little person when you go around through the, what is that called? Street view. Street view. Yeah. Uh, so I spent a lot of time wandering the streets or the canals, um, of Venice, huh. uh, doing that, but I'm hoping at some point I can go. And I kind of, I'm curious if someone from Venice reads this and they're like, well, you know, that's you, you hit the, you got us either that, or they'll be like, no, you didn't. That's not at all what our city's like. Uh, the nice thing is though, because I'm doing alternate historical, I didn't have to be completely yeah. historically accurate. Um, so if anyone tells me something's inaccurate, I'll just be like, well, I, it's, I changed it for the story. Yeah. yeah and also that. it's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it takes place hundreds of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, speaking of which, so you, you seem to, have an appreciation for historical fiction. You seem to like that, or at least you like working in that area. Is, is that something you've always loved? Like did, when you were a kid, did you know that those were, were those your favorite stories? Um, historical fiction? Uh, I mean, I know it's not true. It's pure historical fiction, but. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, okay. So my favorite, um, one of my favorite series growing up was the thief series by Megan Whalen Turner. Um, and those ones are not, they're not historical fiction, but they are, um, meant to feel like historical fiction. You know, they're in that sort of, uh, Greek, um, I guess, yeah, some sort of like a Hellenistic, I think, uh, city or world, um, mm -hmm. but with, uh, you know, gods and, and magic, um, 
I generally went more straight fantasy as a kid. Um, but what happened with this one, and I, I'm noticing now a theme in my um, novel inspiration, which is that I read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, which is an adult uh, historical fantasy. And I thought, I want to give people the same feeling I got when I read that, <laughs> but write it for, for young adults. Uh, and so that was, that was how the sinking city came about. Our, uh, let me pull this up here. I want to get the name correct. So this is from Alina. Uh, she's wondering, uh, if which books as a child like which ones were your favorite and did any of those influence your writing? Yeah. Okay. So, well, so I already mentioned Megan Whalen Turner, uh, her thief series was part of, I think the inspiration for the winter King. Uh, cause I really liked the way she handled like, um, the, the gods, the pantheon in that story. Um, and the way that it felt it was, it was, the world was infused with magic, but it wasn't like, Harry Potter magic, you know, it was just kind of built into the fabric of the world. Uh, I read and loved, um, oh, Diana Wynne-Jones was huge for me. Uh, so she, her Howl's Moving Castle, but she also had a whole series called Crestomancy that I loved. Um, Patricia C. Reed, who did, uh, the Dealing with Dragons series, Calling on Dragons, I can't remember, um, the rest of those. And, and then I, I, I dabbled in, um, Terry Pratchett. I loved his, I was always on the hunt for those like female driven stories. Um, and he had the Tiffany aching section of his disc world. That was, was my favorite. So I did that. And then I also of course read, um, Lewis and Tolkien. Tolkien actually was, it was thanks to him that I started writing because I thought I'm going to write a trilogy that again, that makes me feel the way I felt when I read the Lord of the Rings. So my very first, uh, trilogy, more books that I wrote was a, was a trilogy that was like the most derivative fan fiction you will ever find. And I still have it. I found, I printed it out and kept it. So, um, I had like elves and dwarves and, and small furry, you know, or hobbit like creatures, but I called them something else. Cause then no one would notice, you know, but, uh, but that was great. It was like such a good experience for me to, to practice copying the masters, you know, before I ventured out and, and figured out what I wanted to write. How old were you when you started writing? Um, let's see. I wrote a, uh, my first novella when I was 12 or 13. Mm, that was probably 11 or 12. Uh, it was called The Shadow Teachers. And it was a story about a boy who goes to school one day and discovers that all of his teachers have disappeared. And uh, they're, they've been like replaced with shadows that you can only see when, the over, when they pass in front of the overhead projectors. This really dates <laughs> me. But uh, it, it was, I thought, thrilling. Um, and I also still have that one. So I remember that I wrote it out in pencil and then I passed it around to all my friends and like hovered over them while they read it and was like, what did you think? <laughs> What parts scared you? Did you love it? And uh, yeah, and so I did that. And then I just, I was that kid who all summer long, I'd be up in my bedroom typing out stories. Um, my parents finally graciously gave me a, like an old computer to work on uh, to save my hand. And, and then I, I just kept doing that and I really haven't stopped. <laughs> I was just picturing Christine, like sending her draft out to her editor and her editor getting it in the inbox and turning around and you're hovering right behind them somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. He would love that. Um, <laughs> it's really hard for me when I, after I send him something, not to every time I see him, you know, cause we're in a 
small town. Yeah. We, our kids go to the same school. So every time I see them, not to just be like, have you read it yet? <laughs> have you read it yet? What did you think? But it's not terrible, is it? So you sound, you sound very ambitious, um, even at a young age where, where you were like, I'm going to write a trilogy. I'm going to, you know, these kind of huge projects. Has that been like a driving force? Like, has that been a help for you to get the, actually these things accomplished? Is that kind of carried through since childhood? Yeah, I think so. Because I talk to a lot, a lot of writers who, um, who I think have great ideas or they get started and they just are never able to finish a project. Like that seems to be the perennial issue for people is like they get, they can start something. And there's always that honeymoon stage when you're first starting a project, a novel where you're like, this is going to be amazing. And then you get about a third of the way in and it did not translate from your head onto paper the way you thought it would. And so you just give up, you know, because you're like, well, clearly I have to start over and try again. Um, and I think that, um, I, I just, I had figured out early on that my first draft is never going to look like the image in my head. It's always going to look like a stick figure that I have to work on. And, and so for me, that, that has never been an issue of, of not being able to finish them. Um, I think some people, it is just, it's just something I love. And so if I go too long without writing, I get antsy. My husband can attest to this. I start wandering around the house, like, like a wraith trying to figure out <laughs> what I should write next. And, um, so I really do just, I love it. And I'm so thankful that I get the chance to do it. Um, when I, when I was in college, I wasn't really writing because I was writing term papers. Uh, but then once I had my first child and I was home, I stayed home with them. And I was like, I actually have time to devote to this. Um, I just thought, well, if I can, if I can get books out into the world, you know, I'd love to do that. I, I know how they made me feel. And I just, I'm so thankful that I'm able to give kids and, and adults that same feeling with my own books. It's just very humbling. So do you, um, do you have any advice for the kids who are listening, who want to be writers? Because we get, a, we get a lot of comments from kids who are, you know, one of the reasons they're, they want to hear from the writers they love is because, because they have the experience of doing what they're dreaming of doing. You know, it's like a kid who wants to play basketball meeting Michael Jordan or something. Um, do you, so what would you tell, you know, a 10 or 11 year old kid who just wants to be a storyteller and get their work out into the world? Yeah. Well, um, I, I guess I would say, I think it's really important to realize how much practicing goes into writing. So a lot of, um, a lot of times kids and adults think that the first thing they write should be really good when it doesn't have to be really good. And, um, and it probably won't be really good, but you still have to write it to get that practice in. Um, and so the, really the best thing you can do to develop your own voice is to first uh, read a whole lot and copy the, um, the people you, whose work you look up to, you know, practice writing, um, Lord of the Rings fan fiction or whatever, you know, just try. Sometimes it can be really helpful to inhabit a world that somebody else has already created like star Wars or, uh, or Lord of the Rings. Um, and, and so do that and, and don't be, um, I guess don't be afraid to toss it out when you're done, you know, to, to do it, maybe to give it to some friends, just to get some feedback, I think it's really helpful. Um, but then just move on and start another project. Uh, you do really have to be so, um, 
persistent in this business because I, it took a long time for me to get the Winter King published. It took a lot of rejections. I had an agent in New York for a while who tried to sell it and it didn't go anywhere. Um, and I, I think you just have to develop, first of all, some pretty thick skin of being like, okay, I know I'm not going to be good at first, but the only way to get better is to keep practicing. Um, and, and that really sets apart, I think, published authors is that they were willing to just put in the miles, even when it didn't feel like it was maybe productive, you know? Um, but those, those manuscripts that I have just thrown away are not wasted at all. They were so important. Mm. Yeah. Necessary. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. We're going to play a little game. Oh yes. Okay. This is, it's actually a quiz, but oh no. Yeah. So Logan, we need a sound effect here, like a whooshing wintry sound effect, because yeah. this is in fact the wintertime quiz. Ooh. All right. You ready for question one? Yes. All right. Wintertime quiz question one. Why do we call it winter? <laughs> oh, it's multiple choice, by the way. Oh, okay. I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So A, it's from the Germanic word vint meaning why is this happening <laughs> uh b it's named after uh sir walter wintersby who suggested changing the name from icy icy no good cold season to something shorter smart that's a good idea or or c i was doing abc right not one two three anyway I don't know. all right c or three uh it's from the old norse venter meaning wet Ooh, I really liked the B, the icy, icy snow one, but, yeah. um, <laughs> Winter, what is the name? Walter Wintersby? Yeah. Walter Wintersby, you know, Sounds that, like a character. that's a compelling choice, but I'm going to have to go with C, the old Norse for wet. Oh, she got it right. Wow. <laughs> well, it's a tough question. Incredible. Very tough question. Yeah. Question two. Maybe this one will be harder, even harder. The fear uh, of snow is called what? Oh, a, Flakeophobia. <laughs> uh, I have B, my answer. <laughs> yeah. B. Chinophobia, or C. Burr no thanks itis. <laughs> oh man! Well, do uh, C for all of them and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna guess B, although I don't actually even remember what it was. Chinophobia. That is correct. Chinophobia. Two How for do you two. Spell that. Uh, C-H-I-N-O phobia. Chino. Okay. There's somebody, from, the there's root. some kid listening who's from like Chino, California and being like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I did put these in my phone in the notes app, so it's possible it auto-corrected it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Ready? Question three. Polar bears typically hibernate for what length of time? A, four months. B, seven months. Or C, polar bears are not real. Ooh. <gasps> I mean, I've never actually seen one. You've never you know, you've I never haven't been either. No. Just photos. Which, you know, they could be photoshopped. I've I've seen a polar bear. So if sure they're not real, I'm gonna have to have an existential existential crisis. <laughs> which every nine year old understands. I know. I actually don't know this one, but I'm gonna guess A, four months. Oh, it's seven months. Oh, it is. Wow. Yeah, That's four months time. is about typical for an average bear. Okay. Polar bear, they need the extra, you know, 
few months. Oh, Edward Bear, cold. four months. So they're sleeping. <laughs> Winter Edward Bear, seven months. Yeah. They're sleeping for more than half the year. That's All right, last I feel question. the same way sometimes. Last question. All right. The Norwegian Winter Festival involves what special activity? A, Unskilt Sotel, which is Definitely. a snowball eating contest. <laughs> B, Ispotet, which is cracking open a frozen lake and diving to the bottom to collect a potato. A potato. There's no way a potato is heavy enough to be at the bottom of a frozen lake. Maybe the potato's frozen. Oh, I love this. Or it's tied to a brick. Great. Or C, Surslid Nadal, where everyone sits together and knits a gigantic blanket that they use together on the last night of the festival. Whoa. <laughs> I, uh, I I got so carried away with that potato one that I've actually forgotten. What was A again? Snowball eating contest. I'm not going to repeat the okay. name of it. So I hold can. on. It's a snowball eating contest. It's diving down to the bottom of a frozen lake after a potato, or it's knitting a giant... A gigantic quilt. blanket. Yeah. Those are all just true. They're, they all... Please be all true. <laughs> I know. I, I really hope we do all of these, but... Um, hmm... I'm going to go with maybe the snowball eating contest Ooh. just because I don't know. Well, I don't know. They're really into the hygge thing, right? Like, you know, mm. this is true. Gigantic this is where? blanket. Uh, Norway. Hmm. You know what? I'm changing it. I'm going to go with C. I'm thinking giant blanket. I, okay. So, um, I don't know if there's a Norwegian winter festival. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're all wrong. No, but, uh, is that true? None oh, of them. Yeah. you ideas for your next novel? No, involves no, snow. no. I think we need to use whatever answer. Which did you choose? The blanket one? Yeah, I did. Okay, so now that that's officially an activity they need to incorporate at the of Norwegian the, Winter Festival. If there's a Norwegian, Norwegian Winter Festival. Festival, I mean, yeah. Graham, have you ever considered writing? Because these are these are Those strange were, and beautiful. I ideas. only only quizzes. <laughs> oh, quit. Okay, yeah. Well, you say you're going to be a professional nonsense quiz writer. Quiz master. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Good well, job. Good thank job. Thank you. I don't well, know how many. I think I got one right. So No, you got two, two out of three. Well, yeah. Two out of three All plus right. the nonsense one. We'll yeah. give you that one because he set you up to fail. And it's our quiz, so we, we can call that whatever we want. And I'd say True. that's passing. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. You passed a quiz that we've never done before, designed only for you. Golly, I feel special. So we got a couple more questions and then we got to get to our word of the week um, where oh. we all try to figure out what a weird word yeah. means. Just a couple questions about kids books. Uh, we did okay. ask you one already. You mentioned you have three kids. How old yes. are they? They are uh, 10, eight and six. So do you have some favorite books? That's very close to the age of our children. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite books to read with your kids? Read alouds, things that you've read over the years. Yeah. Well, um, okay. We just wrapped up, actually we're wrapping up holes tonight, uh, which, uh, my oldest had read by herself, but hadn't, um, we hadn't done as a, as a read aloud. That one was super fun. We, uh, we worked our way through the Narnia books. We did the Hobbit and then, uh, we did the first, the fellowship of the ring. And then the kids asked for a break, <laughs> understandably. <laughs> a lot of long descriptive passages for a read aloud. There sure are. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So we, it, it is fun to try to find something that will hold the interest of all three of them. Um, we just did the wolves of Willoughby chase, uh, Joan Aiken, which is such a good one. Um, and, and all the kids love that one. And before that, I, I appealed to the six-year-old boy more and we did, um, the wild robot and that was a big, big hit. So, um, yeah, we're always on the lookout for good read alouds because, um, it's, you know, we like to do that every night. My husband and I do with the kids and, uh, and some books are better to be read aloud than others. <laughs> True. Well, if you're ever looking for some good read aloud books, we have a podcast that might be able to point you towards some that you uh, might be on right now. <laughs> <laughs> that I might be on. Okay. You know, I did see, cause I looked up the podcast and you guys had been talking about the railway children. Yeah earlier. Yeah. Which we did that one. Um, and I, w- that was actually a surprise hit. I was not expecting that to go over as well as it did, but all three of my kids just loved it. So yeah, we, yeah. we've gotten, we weren't sure we wanted to do a classic kids yeah. book for the first season and we had really good feedback. My kids really liked that one. I think my kids listened to the audiobook twice. So it's great. Well, and I got to, I mean, not, you know, this is, this will be non-spoilery when I read the ending, the final page or two i was in tears like the type of ugly crying where the kids are like what's wrong with mom and yeah and i couldn't like finish the story because it just it yeah you had to work for that ending and i was like man that was good that was a good payoff <laughs> <laughs> do you have other books that you've done that with that ugly crying mind? through yeah are you yeah. uh the velveteen rabbit mm. i cannot i cannot make it through that one uh without crying um I, uh, I don't know. Not the, not that I could think of. I'm actually not a huge crier, uh, particularly when I'm reading books. So that was why it was shocking to me and the oh, children when that happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a word of the week game. Oh, it's time. It's time for the word of the week. So, um, we have a word of the week printer. I don't know if you've heard about this. It, it has a lot of trouble. We okay. have an incredible amount of trouble with it. I, I don't mean to necessarily throw him under the bus, but in particular, Graham, as the operator of the Word of the Week printer, really has had... It's been a trial for him oh, man. over the first season plus of this podcast. It's not an ordinary printer, on, in my defense. Yeah, and occasionally, the bookstore troll does get involved and try to sabotage oh, and things like yeah. that. But this but, week, it's going to work flawlessly. He has said this before. I'm serious. My hopes are up. My hopes are... I've made upgrades. Okay. So go ahead. Oh, you've made upgrades. Okay. Send your word through. Okay. All right. Pressing print. This is not, this is not the word that I put through. Well, what word is it? It, This says, this says ball. Yep. Ball. B-A-L-L. So I upgraded it. So whatever nonsense you usually put through this thing just comes out as a nice, simple word, so I can finally get one right. So you're saying <laughs> that the problem has been that the word is too complicated for the printer to understand. Uh, yes. So now we'll just do nice, simple words that we'll all get right. And, you know. But the kids already know what ball means. <sighs> Fine. Okay, we're going to need another few minutes. Okay, so we got a word of the week. Are you, are you ready for this one? The problem is with these words of the week is they're sometimes difficult to pronounce. Oh, no. I have a hard time with them sometimes. This word is Scytherism. This is how you spell it. P-S-I-T-H-U-R-I-S-M. 
I am assuming, to be fair, that that P at the beginning is silent. So, but I maybe it's not. Maybe that. it's Pisitherism. But I'm going to say it's a silent P, and the word is Scytherism. Weirdly, this is a noun that comes from the. It says it comes from the English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are like some words which come from like I don't know the Icelandic or the German, or the, the Norwegian, or the Norwegian exactly. So we'll give you a few minutes to write down what you think the definition Ooh. for that word is. We're going to do the okay. same thing, and then we'll share our definitions before we reveal which of us is closest. Okay. All right, we're back. We have written our definitions down on, in my case, a um, yellow manila envelope. Yep. And Graham, you get to you get to go first and share your, All right. your definition. Scytherism. Okay, you ready? Yes. A solid or hollow object, spherical, which is kicked, thrown, or hit in a game. Hmm. It's a scytherism. Yeah. It's actually just a ball. <laughs> I just did the definition of ball. <laughs> Uh, so i know i'm right for one of these words i'm right i don't know that's called cheating but also is funny yep so all right well i think scytherism is the idea that pops into your head on a cold day that maybe you should go back inside and sit by the fire and read and eat cookies but instead you push it away and eat a snowball instead (laughs) Mm. Mm mm-hmm it's not the same like definition that. as a ball, but Christine, what do you think it is? Well, um, oddly, ours overlap slightly. Oh, okay. Hear me out. <clears throat> okay. A, a medical illness wherein the speaker loses the ability to form the S sound, usually <laughs> treatable by knitting a giant sweater while eating a snowball. Ah. Mm. Uh, so, so the it's something because the frostbite might have eliminated. Yeah, got you it. You can't okay. get that. Which like is especially that. mean because you can't make the S sound to tell yes. everyone that you have scytherism. The sibilance. You know, it's interesting that you say that really regarding the S sound because this is what scytherism actually means. And I'm getting this from a book that I really love called Otherworldly. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, yeah. By Yi Lun Mok. Words both strange and lovely from around the world. This is what scytherism means. The sound of the wind through the trees. Ooh. Oh. I like that. Scytherism is the sound of the wind through the trees. That's yeah, like, I was thinking of it as something like close to aneurysm or, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a medical condition. Yeah, no, it does sound like it would be something. It's the weirdest definition of ball I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> I know. You, you were the one that defined ball, not, not, not this book here that has the right definition. Well, I like Christine's answer. It I is. think that's the good one. It's a good hey. one. She wins. We should maybe put these definitions online and let the kids vote on their favorites. Well, <laughs> Christine, how, where are you in the process of this, this, uh, this new book? The Sinking City, that yep. one? Yep. Okay, that one is actually out of my hands now. So it is off to the printers. Yeah. Um, we are starting... So the, um, the gal who does the cover art for my books, uh, her name's Megan Ankoviak. She's amazing. She uh, is working with me on a pre-order um, campaign. So we're going to... Whenever we announce the pre-orders, we're hopefully going to have some sort of stickers or a poster or something. So we're working on the artwork uh, for that right now. Um, but other than that, it's kind of I have pushed it out into the world, and I don't have to uh, I don't have to look at it anymore, which is kind of nice. Are you writing something right now? 
You know, I have, um, I I finished another novel. I, I, I just completed my master's in creative writing, my MFA degree, and I had to write a novel for that class. So I have another one that is written. It's probably on draft two or three, which means it needs a few more uh, rewrites. But um, that is, that's kind of what I'm working on next. Although I am uh, also brainstorming yet another novel. So wow. just keeps going. <laughs> Well, if you, if you ever like working on your books and you need a word for the sound of the wind in the trees. Yeah. I'm just going to try to work scissorism in. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> this was well, a very informative interview. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm learning a lot about a lot of different yeah, things. That's what we aim for. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> facts. Facts. Just hundred percent facts the whole time. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, Christine, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really fun. And good luck with the release of the new book, the writing of the new books. And thank you so much for The Winter King. We have uh, been loving it and pushing it here in the store. And uh, so many people have been saying they like it. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. This was a blast. All right. Once again, we have returned. Thanks so much to Christine Cohen for coming on the podcast and talking to us and telling stories and yeah. playing games. And She aced that winter quiz. She she did the the winter the winter quiz. We should make that an official like each season we should have to do a winter quiz with someone even during the summer because it would be just like yeah ironic. I like this. Confusing. It's good. Well, you know what this brings us to riddle time. Riddle time. Do you need me to recap last week? I think you should, and then give the answer. So I felt kind of bad when I was doing last week's riddle because I was like, as I was talking, it just sounded creepier and creepier and creepier. And then Isn't that the mark of a good riddle? I, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. This is really creepy. Uh, it's not supposed to be. Okay, so there was a um, a boy named Francisco who got up every morning and looked out his window. <laughs> not his bedroom window. Let's say his living room window. And there would be a man standing in his yard, not moving very still, all winter. And then he was gone. Um, and it's because that man was a snowman. So he melted mm. away, or somebody collided. So it wasn't with a creepy person and, standing in the yard. No, no. What if you had a snowman, and then for you attached hedge clippers to each of the stick arms? Would that then be a creepy man? Um, yes. I'm going to go with yes. What if you had a snowman that was wearing a bandana as like a mask? Uh. Did he have like a toy gun? Like, like he's going to yeah, stick you up? He's got like, oh, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, okay. I'm good with that. All right, okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Did we get a lot of a good, good law of right Everybody answers? got it right, pretty much. Um, so if we have, we're about to do another riddle. If mm. someone would like to send in an answer to the riddle we're about to, 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 to say, and they've never sent an answer in before, how can they do that? Uh, they can write to us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. Dot com podcasts at goldberrybooks.com podcast pod not podcasts no. we don't want podcasts podcasts pod podcasts it's a hard right. word right podcasts at goldberrybooks.com okay great are you ready for this week's riddle Graham? i can't wait i can't wait okay so i want you to imagine this scenario okay i'm gonna tell you a story okay larry <laughs> it's already funny yeah. it's, it's Larry <laughs> okay wasn't well, it's, it's you just you know you can't expect the unexpected so. This is, this is <laughs> <laughs> so Larry has been out out hunting he's been out hiking in okay. the woods 
This a uh, elderly man or like a child? Um, he's twenty four. Okay, twenty four. Twenty is that okay? Twenty four, good. I like it. Okay, he's twenty four. He's a strapping, but strapping young man. He's with his grandfather. Oh, okay, Leroy. Leroy. <laughs> Leroy is seventy four. Okay, go with me here. Yeah, no, okay. it's fine. So Leroy and Larry are out in the woods. They've been hiking, and unfortunately. A blizzard came. A blizzard came? A blizzard came. Yeah. Like it's another... Swept, swept across the woods. Another winter riddle. It is. Well, it's almost winter time. Okay. So... Did it big, blow the snowman into them from the last mm, riddle? Yeah, the one with the bandana, yes. So... A big snowstorm comes along. Larry and Leroy decide it's time to head for cover. Uh-huh. Are they close to home? So they, they're not close to home, but they remember... An old cabin. An old hunting cabin in the woods. This sounds, this sounds creepy, too. It's not, it's not, well, it's not going to be creepy, okay? Just like, it's right before Halloween don't panic. and okay, Don't panic. Okay. Got bookstore trolls looking at me through windows already. Well, that part's weird. But there's a snowman out that window, a bookstore troll out that window. Okay. Larry and Leroy, they head for the cabin. Mm-hmm. When they get there, luckily it's unlocked. Oh, nice. It hasn't been used in a long time. Ah, maybe it's for this but, purpose. But it, I think it probably was at one point or another. But, but here's the thing. They're, they're cold, right? And it's dark. And so they start looking around for, for some ways to generate a little bit of... Heat bit and of, light? Heat and light, yes. They find three things. Oh. A kerosene lamp. Mm-hmm. A candle. Okay. And a fireplace. Nice. Three great things to help you stay warm. Yeah. But here was their conundrum. What should they light first? Oh. There's a kerosene lamp, a candle, and a fireplace. This is interesting. What should Larry and Leroy light first? Because the way you're, a- the way you're asking that makes, me s- makes it seem like there's a right answer. But it doesn't seem like it when you're saying it. So I'm, I, I got to think about this. And see if it makes any difference. No, say the whole riddle backwards? <laughs> <laughs> difference C. <laughs> no, difference it, if, C. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to take me a while. I think we should Yeah, I don't want to listen to yeah. it either. Yeah. So, okay. Larry and Leroy cabin. There's a kerosene lamp, a candle, and a fireplace. What should they light first? What should they light first? Right. Great. Exactly. That's, that's this week's riddle. I love that. That was a very good like little story, too. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I'm assuming the sound effects made it sound really cool. I mean, it'd be funny if Logan didn't put any sound effects there and just kind of left, <laughs> me, left me to my lonesome in, the, in, in, this, in this winter winter environment. The winter of your discontent. Yeah, exactly. Discontent. Good word. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of, of Withy Window. On a scale of 1 to 10, yeah. how well would you say this episode went? 11. I like that. Yeah. Positive positive confident on a scale from um vegetables to uh vegetable dye gummy bears or jelly beans uh well it's definitely jelly bean we 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 got now i can't even remember what those things (laughs) shoot this this all broke down this all broke down the good thing this is the end we got logan can just cut it and nobody has to hear it and (laughs) nobody want nobody will know about my big blunder at the end with my uh my food, um, my candy scale. Your candy scale, right. I have a feeling... Uh, yeah, okay. 
Well, before we go, I just want to remind everybody about Samuel Dennis and the Smithertons program, The Green How'd Rider. you remember that? That was very good. Well, thanks. Well, you know, it's a great name. His name's actually S.D. Smith, and he's a writer, and he has The Green Rider, which is a great writing program, as you know by now, and you should head over to greenwriter.sdsmith.com, greenwriter.sdsmith.com to learn more about what they're doing and to practice your own writing. Thanks, of course, to Christine Cohen for coming on. Thank you to all of you for listening. And of course, last but certainly not least, thank you to Haley for sending us Cookie Thins Triple Ginger and Muddy Bites Waffle Cone Snacks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is now time to go eat some more Muddy Bites Waffle Cone Snacks. That's good, because I thought you were going to say, now it's time for our next segment, and I was very confused. (laughs) Nope, it's time for us to end the show and go eat snacks. All right, goodbye. Wait, no, you say something. For Grant Pittman... I'm David Kern. Till next time, happy reading. Was that the right ending? Goodbye.